I'm going to tell you something this morning that you are going to have a hard time believing. Uh, this message, it, it will be something that is, is a hard time believing. Uh, it's difficult to wrap our minds around what this means. And it's also just hard to believe that this could be true. And I'm not just talking about the fact that Jesus died and, and came back to life. We're sometimes used to hearing that on Easter, and that should be mind-blowing enough. That someone uh, came back to life, was, was raised from the dead. Many of us, we know that, we accept that, and because it, it happened. The Bible tells us this, it makes sense of history, it makes sense of life, it makes sense of, of everything. And the Holy Spirit lets us know in our hearts from, from your word that this is the truth. But what I'm going to talk about today is not just what Jesus did, going to the cross and being buried and, and rising again on the third day. But we're going to also talk about what the Bible says that what you did with him, believer. That if you are a Christian, not just what he did nearly 2,000 years ago, but what you, in reality, did with him when he died and when he was buried and when he rose again. We talk about what it means to be, to be buried and raised with Christ. And a verse that we can look at, uh, we'll be looking at several verses, but this is one that kind of got me thinking about this. And um, There's a verse in Romans 4, chapter 25, where it says, uh, starting with the end of 24, it talks about Jesus our Lord, and it says he was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We're going to be talking about that and what that means. And this is what Jesus did for us. And I think the first part of that is a little bit easier for us to understand. He was delivered up for our trespasses. That means that he was delivered up to the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. Trespasses is another word, more, another terminology for our sins. We have uh, trespassed. We have transgressed the law of God and we are guilty. And Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for that. But what about that second part? And I think that's part that, for a long time, I don't think I really grasped what this was saying. Because it says, and raised for our justification. And I'll admit that, that for me, I don't know if this is true for you, maybe it is, but for me, I think for the longest time, I had such a focus on the cross, and, and we should focus on the cross, that the resurrection almost seemed like an afterthought. That while Jesus did what he needed to do for our salvation on the cross, and he paid the price, and he said, it is finished. And, and that's where uh, salvation took place, and because of that, we're justified. And, well, okay, he had to be risen from the dead, because he can't just stay dead. God just can't leave him like that. And it, it declares that he really is who he says he is. And all these things are true. But there was something later on that helped me to realize even more the significance of this. And specifically, what does this have to do with our justification? And what does that mean? And justification means, it's a legal term, okay? It's like when a judge declares someone, hits their gavel and declares you to be, a judge could declare you to be condemned, or if things go well, he could declare you to be um, innocent. But justification is even more than that. It's declaring us to be 
to be righteous in God's sight. Not just, not just innocent, but also righteous. So God is the judge that's declaring this. It's, it's giving vindication here. But what does Jesus being raised have to do with that? That's part of the question I want to think about here today. And we're going to think through this. And I think part of the answer is found in this teaching of Scripture that's called Union with Christ. And that's this new series that we're going to be doing starting today and for the next six weeks because there's actually a lot that Scripture has to say about union with Christ. And we're only going to be able to get started here. There's, there's more, and that's why for the next uh, six weeks we're going to be looking at this. What does it mean when it talks about being united with Christ? And I hope that you start seeing this all over the place in Scripture. You're going to see this phrase, in Christ. What does it mean for us to be in Christ? Phrases that talk about uh, something happening to us with Christ or along with Christ. These are all indications that the Bible is talking about this idea of, of union with Christ. And I think there used to be more, a time when people talked about this a lot more. The great Puritan theologian John Owen said this. He said, union with Christ is the greatest, most honorable, and glorious of all graces that we are made partakers of. Now, if that's true, that, that's saying a lot right there. So we're going to look at this and we're going to see over the next few weeks how union with Christ is really at the center of how salvation works, how the Christian life works, and just how important this really is. So I'm going to give you one statement here to kind of start things off for today. And this is kind of the main point. If you are united with Christ, then what happened to Christ happened to you. Okay, so if you are united to Christ, and we're going to see not everyone is. It's not our natural state. We don't come into this world already united to Christ. Okay, that has, to, that has to happen to us later on. But when that does, what we're going to see, and I'm going to show you many places in Scripture to back this up, that what happened to Christ happened to you. Let's look at uh, one passage that teaches this. And this passage says quite a lot. Uh, this is Colossians uh, chapter 2. We'll have several different uh, verses here. Parts of them, at least, sometimes will be on the screen. But let me read this to you. In Colossians 2, it says this. It says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made, or a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We'll, we'll come back to that. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him. Notice these phrases, with him, with him. Through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. How did he make us alive? Together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
few words about this. Notice at the beginning, in him. I was tempted to start at the next verse, and I have to deal with the circumcision part, but I think it's helpful to look at 11 here, because this lets us know that all of this is for those that are in him, those that are in Christ. This is talking about union with Christ. So if you have been united with Christ, it's saying that these are the things that are true. And actually, talking about the circumcision part here uh, is, is helpful because it, when we look at this, we realize it's not talking about literal circumcision. It's not talking about a literal physical surgery here. In the Old Testament times, they would do this literal uh, physical circumcision. But this says this is a circumcision made without hands. That when you are saved, there is, a, there is a spiritual heart surgery that takes place. That the, the Lord, the Spirit, does a spiritual heart surgery on you. And this is, this is being born again. This is, you've received a, a heart transplant. And the old heart was, is full of sin. It's full of the, the wrong desires. It's full of corruption. It's a heart of stone. And that when you're saved... It's the Holy Spirit has given you a, a new heart, a heart of flesh, a heart now that, 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 that beats the love of God, that, that loves him. So I think that's helpful too because when it talks about being buried with him in baptism, this isn't talking about the, uh, the, the, the physical baptism, any type of baptism that we can see. And we have um, baptisms and maybe you've been baptized. We have a baptism next week we're going to look forward to, to doing. And uh, Daniel's going to be uh, put under the water and, and raised back up. But it's not that type of baptism that saves anyone. Okay, because we're not saved by any work that we do or any ceremony. It's what that baptism represents. Something that has already taken place at the moment of faith. Because it says, as we see in verse 12, notice it says through faith. Through faith is when this happens. So what the baptism, what it does, we, we, when you see a baptism, it is a visual representation of what has already happened, what has happened spiritually. And so with that in mind, we see these phrases that when we're united with Christ, we're buried with him. And in a baptism by immersion, it pictures that you're going under the water and then you're coming out and being raised with him. So you see this in uh, this passage in Colossians. Being buried with him, being raised with him, being made alive together with him. And union with Christ means that there is, when you trust Christ as Savior, you are attached to Jesus. Okay? That in, in God's eyes, legally, spiritually, in many different ways, it is almost as if you are, there's a lot of different analogies, ways we could say it, but it's almost you were, like you were duct taped to Jesus that when he died and was buried, you died and were buried along with him. And then when he rose, if you are attached to Jesus and you are raised to new life together with Jesus when he was raised. And even though that happened to Jesus almost 2,000 years ago, this verse is saying this also happened to you. And again, this is where I'm getting at the part that you may say this is, this is hard to believe, to really uh, believe that this happened to you because you don't remember this happening. You, you weren't really 
you're thinking, I wasn't physically there. That was 2,000 years ago. But Scripture is saying, this happened to you. And that helps explain to us the reason why Jesus came, why Jesus went to the cross, why he was buried. Okay, He really died. He descended uh, to, to the dead. He, uh, he left this life. And then he came back. And he did this so that you, basically, you could hitch a ride. Jesus died and was buried and rose again so that you could hitch a ride. And you could be buried with him, and you could rise with him. See, Jesus didn't do it for his own sake. Sometimes if you're going along with someone to, you know, they're going up to Myers and say, well, I'm going to Myers. you want to come along? Okay, I'll go along and I'll go up with you. But they were going there anyways. Okay, Jesus didn't need to do this for himself. He, he did this trip so that, that you could hitch a ride, that you could go along with him, being buried with him and rising again. You and, and anyone that will turn to him, accept him as Savior, and be united, being united with him. So union with Christ, if you're united with Christ, what happened to Christ happened to you. Let's keep thinking about this. And what does this really mean here on Easter as we're thinking about the resurrection of Christ? And as we just, uh, on Good Friday, had been thinking about the, the uh, crucifixion and the death and the burial of Christ. Well, this means if what happened to Christ happened to you, then part of this means that when Christ died, you died. And I want to show you in Scripture, we've... Seen this in a few different places. He, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. But even more, Scripture talks about you going along with this. If you have been united to Christ through faith. Let me give you two passages here. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is something that has happened to him. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We'll be talking about that. That's part of this union with Christ. Not only are we in Christ, but there's verses that talk about that Christ is in us. It goes on and says, And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you have been, believer, you have been crucified along with Christ. You've also been buried with him. And a passage that talks about that is in Romans 6. And you could look at more of this in in context, but we'll just start with verse 3. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And again, I don't believe this is talking about literal water baptism. This is what that baptism represents. That if you are a believer, you have been attached to Christ, you've been united to him, and therefore you have been uh, baptized with him, you've been submerged, you have been plunged into death along with Jesus Christ. That in God's reality, when he died, you really died along with him. This is one of many places in Scripture that says this. You were baptized into his death. It goes on, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him. 
I'll keep reading, by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, okay, united with him, this is union with Christ, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So there's, there is a future resurrection coming too. Jesus has already been raised from the dead. And there are verses that talk about that uh, we will be raised from the dead as well. That when Christ returns, that the dead in Christ shall rise. That you won't be in, in heaven forever as a disembodied spirit. You were meant to have a, a body. And you will be returned to a body, to, to your body, but in a perfected state. And that's something that is, that it, there's a part of that that is still future. Verse 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. This is an amazing thing to grasp. This is saying that when Jesus went to the cross, it's not just something that he did, but it is something, believer, Christian, it is something that you did along with him. That there's a sense where you were there. You may think, well, I was there as a sinner nailing him to the cross. But as, as a believer, you were there on the cross with him. This means that the death sentence that you and I deserve has already been carried out. What if you were a prisoner and you were on death row and you were terrified because you know that you have this death sentence hanging over your head? And so many people, they go through life just terrified of, of one day approaching God. And I will tell you, even the person that is the most adamant atheist, they cannot escape that reality. That's why so many people that are the most, seem to be the most committed atheists, they're they're fighting against something that they know to be true in their heart. They're, They're kicking against the goads. They're trying to suppress this knowledge. And people do everything they can to, uh, to distract themselves. Whether through, it's through, you know, TV or, or sin or uh, painkillers or pursuits of pleasure or success or whatever it is to try and drown out the fact that they realize they're not right with God. So what if you were this prisoner on death row and you have this fear of execution coming and then somehow you receive the news that, hey, it's already taken place and you're not going to be executed again because it's already happened. And you're thinking, well, I'm still here. How does this work? Well, they say, well, Legally, you have already, it has already been carried out. The death sentence has already been carried out on you. Or to say it more fully, the death sentence that you deserve, believer, has been carried out on you already in Christ. And because of union with Christ, there is a real sense that you were there along with him when this happened. You were crucified with him. You were buried with him. Now, again, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around this because we also think, well, I, I wasn't there. I, that, that happened like 2,000 years ago. 
And I believe this is something that the death and crucifixion of Christ literally happened. This is something that happened in time and space and history. I mean, if you went back in time with a camcorder, this is the type of thing that you could, you could videotape. I mean, you could shoot video of Jesus on the cross. It really happened. You could you know, put it on a map where it happened. He rose from the dead. People saw him. They touched him. This isn't just some kind of metaphor you know, for new life in our heart. It's something that really happened. So how can it be that this happened with us? And this is, this is where the mystery of union with Christ comes in. I think something amazing that the Holy Spirit does. And let me try to explain this a little bit. We're attached to Christ. I'm sure most people in here have had to jumpstart a car at some point. You know, your car battery is, is dead, and who knows where you are, and you have to get somebody to come and, and jump it, and so you're, you're attaching to this other car battery, and there's a, there's a transfer of things that are going on, because, but it's because you're, you're attached. And think of it, you know, you're in two different places. So it's one thing for us to think of ourselves being, you know, attached to Christ at the same time, but this is a reality that, that goes beyond just, just space, distance, I think of it kind of like this. Think of what it means, you know, for your salvation. Means that there comes a moment when when you're born again, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And to help you see how I think this works is that there there is a connection that is made with union of Christ that the Spirit does between you right now, you know, maybe this morning here in, in 2019, and what Christ did hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago. And it's a connection that not only happens uh, through distance, because you're here, he was in Jerusalem, but that happens through time. It's like, at that, at that moment, you are connected here. So I'll connect this to myself here. I can grab some skin. Oh, there, okay, there we go. <laughs> and when it happens, it is like you are connected to Christ on the cross. That moment that you, uh, that you savingly believe the Holy Spirit, this is a mysterious, mystical thing, connects you through time and space to the cross. So that at the cross, as Jesus is dying, you are united with him and he knows that he is paying for your sin at that moment that he is on the cross because you're connected to him. And so your guilt that you have because of your sin is, is transferred to him. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. He was made a curse for us. He was sinless, but he hung on the cross so that our sin could be transferred to him so that he could pay our debt for us. It's amazing. Just a, what a beautiful thing. But that's only half of it. Because the other half of our salvation is the fact that Jesus, who, who hung there, he had lived a perfect life in, in perfect goodness. In, uh, he always kept God's law. He always did what, he was, what was required of him. He always loved God fully. He always glorified him. Always. And so when this, this union takes place, 
Not only is it that our guilt is transferred to him through time and space by the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, God is outside of time. Okay, you know, if you were up on a mountain looking at a parade, you can see the whole parade at once. Okay, God sees everything at once. You know, time is not this big deal to him. He can connect one side of the jumper cable to, to you through union of Christ today and the other side to, to Jesus Christ when he hung there on the cross 2,000 years ago and for this transfer to take place. He takes our sin and he gives us the gift of his righteousness, his perfect life. We get the, the credit for that because we're united with him by the Holy Spirit through faith. And that's an illustration of how, that's how salvation works. If you have been united with Christ. All illustrations kind of fail a little bit. And even in scripture, we're going to see there's a lot of different metaphors, a lot of different ways that scripture explains union of Christ. And it it talks about uh, being like part of a building. It talks, um, we've already mentioned how how baptism is a picture of that. Um, you know, the, obviously, it doesn't use jumper cables. And what's, you know, when you get a, when somebody jumps you, they get you going, and now your car's running, and then you detach, and then you can drive away, and maybe you never think about that person again. That is not what the Christian life is like. That is not what salvation is like. I think there's a lot of people that go to church and they think it's like that, and they're gravely mistaken. Okay? If you think it's just, well, I, I'm going to get my jump start. And now I'm okay, now I'm saved, and I can just detach and just live on my own and never think about uh, Jesus, never go to church, never... That that is so wrong and dangerous and bad for you. That is not salvation. Scripture talks about it. One of the metaphors it uses, Jesus says in John 15, it's like a, a branch being united to a vine. And it has to stay attached. Because while it's attached, it receives nutrients from the vine. And so, as Christians, you know, we need to be united with Christ, but this is a permanent union. We stay united. And to, to be detached, if that were even theoretically possible, would be to lose everything. Because our life comes from Christ. It's not a one-time thing. It's continuous. That's what it means to abide in Christ. But not only did you die with Christ... The flip side of this is also true. That, believer, when Christ was raised, you were raised. So when we talk about Easter, we're talking about the resurrection of Christ. This is something that Christ did. This is also something that you did along with him. And yeah, there are several passages in Scripture that talk about this as something future, that you will be raised. But here's what I want you to realize as well. There are passages that talk about this has already happened to you if you are united with Christ. That when he was raised, you were raised at that time. Because through time and space, the Holy Spirit had had united you to Jesus Christ. Not just in the cross, not just when he's buried in the grave, but when he came back to life as well. Let me give you just two examples. Colossians 3, 1 If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. So this is, it's not saying if you will be raised one day, it's saying if you have been. 
So not everyone has, but if you've been united with Christ through faith, by, by trusting in him as your Lord and Savior, repenting, turning to him, and realizing he's the only one that can take care of your sin, you're, you're grieved in your heart because of your sin, you turn away from it, you turn to him. If that's true, you have been raised with Christ. And here, in this verse, it's saying this should change the way you think. Don't be thinking about just uh, the things that are below and earthly and everything everyone else cares about. To be thinking about the Lord. Be thinking about things that are eternal, that are pure and beautiful and that matter the most. Another passage, Ephesians 2.5, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. And I hope that as we keep going in the series, you're going to keep seeing these little phrases that indicate union with Christ all over Scripture. He didn't just make us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. And it says, by grace you have been saved. If you're saved, it's not by your works. You didn't, it's not because you're such a good person, because you're not and I'm not. We're all sinners. And you can't just try harder and think now you're going to be good. Salvation is purely by grace or it's not at all. Grace means it's a free gift. It's given to you. You didn't deserve to have Christ die for you. You didn't deserve to be united with him and to hitch a ride in his, his crucifixion, his, his burial, and his resurrection. Now you hitched a ride. You get the benefits. He got all the pain of that. He actually had to endure this. You get the benefits of hitching a ride and going along. It's purely by God's grace, and we receive it through faith. So then, back to that first we talked about at the beginning in Romans uh, 25. It says, Jesus was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So with all this in mind, maybe this helps us understand what, what it means that he was raised for, for your justification. Remember, justification, again, uh, this is real important, so I, I like to make sure this really uh, gets in our head. It's that legal term that a judge pronounces you, whenever you're justified, I want you to think of a gavel and I want you to think of a judge saying, not guilty, saying, declared righteous. Because actually, declared righteous is, is the best term. Because not just innocent, but God is, sees you and declares you as the judge. He declares you to be as righteous as Jesus Christ. Because his righteousness has been transferred to you. And here's how I, think, how I think this works. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he was guilty. Do you agree with that or do you not agree? The truth is he was guilty, not of his own sin, because he never sinned, but he took upon himself our sin. He took upon himself our guilt. And so he was legally guilty when he went to the cross. And so he stood there condemned in our place, and he had to do that to absorb the, the, the penalty for uh, sin for all of us. And enduring what he did and enduring the wrath of God and taking the curse for us. So at that moment, he was condemned. The judge was saying, I, I condemn you. And you are going to suffer the sentence. Because God is a holy and just God. And he's, justice is going to be fulfilled. And so therefore, he fulfilled this. And that's that first part. He paid for our sin. He was delivered over for our trespasses. 
but raised for our justification. See, God just didn't let his son stay dead. And when, he, when the, the Lord brought him back, when God raised Jesus from the dead, this was another pronouncement. This was now God saying, I, I declare Jesus to be vindicated. I declare him to be innocent, to him to be righteous. Because the moment that he died and sin was taken care of, it was nailed to the cross, it was no more. Jesus was no longer guilty. He was no longer condemned because he had, he had taken care of the, the penalty. So the instant after he died, he, he was no longer guilty and he may have uh, proclaimed uh, victory uh, you know, over uh, the saints uh, or over uh, those in the afterlife and ascended to God the Father. And then when he comes back, the resurrection, part of it is God broadcasting to the world that Jesus is accepted. His sacrifice is accepted. He is who he claimed to be. He is the Son of God. He's appointed and uh, affirmed as his, his, his kingship. And all of this, there's a verse in 1 Timothy 3.16 saying of Jesus, he was manifested in the flesh and vindicated by the Spirit. Vindicated. You know, when somebody is, they're accused of a crime and later on, you know, they're, they're vindicated. You didn't do this. We pronounced that you did not commit this. You are innocent. You are righteous. That person has been vindicated. The resurrection was his vindication. And that word for vindicated is the same word as justified. That we are, are justified. So I think here's how it works. When Jesus was raised, he was vindicated. God declared he is innocent, he is righteous, he is vindicated, he is not guilty. Now if what happened to Christ happened to you, if you're hitching a ride along with that, that means that not only were you condemned, but now you are also vindicated along with him. And that when, when God the Father looked at Christ and said, vindicated, justified, not guilty, innocent, perfect in righteousness, because you are united to him, you are also declared the same along with Christ. In Christ, the judge has already vindicated you and declared you to be righteous. Can you believe that? How does that change you if you believe that that is true? What an amazing thing. Not only has Christ come back from the dead, but because of that, you can stand before him. See, Jesus died and rose. Believers die and rise with Christ. You can't be united to a myth. This is something that literally happened in in time and space. And this idea of being united with Christ, this changes everything. This should change everything for you and your view now. And so, what we need to do as, as Christians and believers is you need to, to walk out of here and realize and th- that you have died and that you have come back. Think about what it would be like if someone died and came back. And it happened to Jesus, and there's a few examples in, in Scripture. In Second Corinthians, it, I think probably Paul had a period where he was taken and, and came back. You know, some of us um, have loved ones that we've lost, some recently. And think of what it's like for them now in glory with God. What if God were to send them back right now? Would they come back the same way? 
What if you were taken, you spent time in heaven, you spent time there seeing God and seeing him in his glory, and then God said, for some reason, there's a mission, there's something, he's got to send you back. Would you come back in the same way? Would it be back to just the same old things? Wasting your life, throwing hours away. Well, I'm back, what's on TV now? Or would you come back with a whole new view of everything? I think you would come back and things in your old life would no longer interest you the same way. There would be things that you would be dead to and other things that you would be alive to because you've been captured by this view of God and you would say, I, whatever time I have here, I need to live for him. I need to help other people to see this and come along and to, to know Jesus Christ. The challenge for you, believer, Scripture says, is for you to live as though this is already true because spiritually it is because you have died and you have been raised with Christ. And that's the challenge of faith. With God's help, you live like that is already true. Live like you are already back from the dead. If you start to live like that, that changes everything. Your life is going to be completely different. Romans 6.11, So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dread and guilt are turned now to freedom and joy. There's no fear, no anxiety about the future. The death sentence, is, that's already been taken care of. The temptations of this world don't hold sway over you like they did. Your values change. Everything that you see will change. And a question that I need to ask you is, have you been buried and raised with Christ? Is this true of you? Have you been united to him? Because all these glorious things, they're, they're true for some people here, and I wish they were true for everyone. But if you're still on your way, Jesus did what he did on the cross, but if, if you're not attached to him through, through faith, it's not benefiting you what he did. But the good news I can tell you is that you can walk out of here having been there and back again, having died with Christ and raised to new life. Accept this message. Believe it. Believe it for yourself. Turn from your sin. Embrace him as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to talk with someone, there's a prayer room. There'll be counselors in the back. When you leave, go right to the right there. You can talk with someone privately. Or maybe this is business, even these last few songs that you take care of and that you can leave here having been raised with Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this truth. This truth that would be absolutely unbelievable if it were not in the word of God and if it were not for the Holy Spirit to help us believe this. Lord, help us to live like what you said is true. Lord, I I thank you for all here that have trusted in you as Savior and are united with Christ. Help each of us to live as if we have been crucified and that we are back from the dead, to to live in this life with the mission that you have for us, changed as, as new creations in Christ. Help us to glorify you and value you and receive our strength and our nutrients and everything that we can from you every moment of every day. Lord, I pray for anyone here that is still on the way to know you, Lord God. May they be united to you through faith so that their sins can be transferred to the cross and the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to them. This changes everything. 
we give you praise. Thank you for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you that we can hitch along. In our risen Savior's name we pray. Amen.